and welcome to the Contemporary Educator Podcast, a podcast dedicated to all my fellow teachers out there who are trying to balance the many demands placed on the contemporary educator. I'd like to start by acknowledging that I am on the traditional territories of the Lekwungen peoples of the Esquimalt and Songhees nations. So today's episode is dedicated to substitute teachers everywhere. So if you are not a substitute teacher, this might not be super relevant for you, but we're talking about relationship building and how you can do that as a substitute teacher, which is probably one of the more challenging parts of being a sub. There are people out there who do this professionally and stay as a substitute teacher throughout the duration of their career. There's some folks who do it briefly for a time before they find their own classroom or who do it on the side when they don't have a full-time contract. Of course, there are lots of ways that you can find yourself a sub. You can be a sub in multiple schools across a district. You might be a substitute teacher in one school in your district. So there's a lot of different ways that this profession can manifest. And I'm looking specifically at the profession of substitute teaching, or as we call it here in BC, we call it teacher on call. Being a sub is probably one of the more challenging teaching roles that you can take on. And I know this because I was a sub for a couple of years and I never subbed full-time. That was never my full-time job. I always had a bit of a contract or long-term sub, but I did sub uh, when I had like little piecemeal contracts where they were like 0.25 or 0.5 the rest of the time I would be subbing. And I could be called literally anywhere. So I am trained and certified as a high school English and drama teacher. And I also have counseling. But I would be called into elementary school, which I don't know how elementary school teachers do it. Bless you. I am so grateful that as a high school teacher, I don't have to count the number of kids when they come back from lunch. There is nothing more stressful than being down one kid and not knowing why. So hats off to you if if you're one of those uh, incredible elementary teachers. Um, But I've had to sub in elementary school. I've had to sub in subjects that were completely out of my realm of expertise, like physics, for example. And again, I apologize to all of the physics teachers I've had to sub for in the past. Uh, And like I've subbed PE, which I'm a reasonably athletic person, but terrible at team sports. So imagine me trying to teach a bunch of kids how to play basketball. I couldn't teach them a single thing. And being a sub can sometimes be one of um, desperation. Not because, not your own desperation as the sub, but the desperation of the other teacher who has um, either fallen ill or is away for whatever reason. And that can sometimes mean that you are coming in completely unaware of what the environment looks like around you. And that's terrifying, like super terrifying. It can be really scary to come in and actually have zero idea what you're doing for the day. One of the worst things is walking into a subject that you don't normally teach and having no lesson plan left for you or no subfolder or anything. This is rare, but it does happen. And most subs will have several of these days in their career. And if you are a full-time teacher listening to this, please, please, please always leave your sub a plan because it is so stressful to walk in and not have one. And that can sometimes just mean have a backup plan. And um, like as a drama teacher, 
I know that emergencies can come up, I have a backup plan all the time. My students know what the backup plan is. They know that if for some reason a sub comes in and they say, what are we doing today? They know what to do that day. And again, I can do that as a high school teacher, but uh, leave a sub folder. <laughs> That's the bottom line. But I, I, I digress a little bit here. The main thing that I'm looking to address in this episode is how to build relationship as a substitute teacher. When you might only be there for a couple of hours, you might only see the kids for a couple of hours. You might be there for the full day, maybe, but maybe not. And when we're constantly hearing as substitute teachers that the best way to manage your classroom is with class with relationship, how the heck are you supposed to do that when you don't get to know the kids past one day? So we're then kind of left wondering, does that just mean that our classroom management is going to just fall apart because we don't have the same luxury or opportunity to build relationship with the students the way that their regular classroom teacher has. And uh, I get that fear that we can be overcome with, but that's not necessarily the case. Uh, in my years of subbing, I found some strategies that really helped to make sure that um, I could get through the day and that I could build relationship really quickly to the point where I was, I ended up being called into the same classes over and over again because I'd leave, the teacher would come back the next day and the kids would say, yeah, it was great. And uh, even if I wasn't there uh, as subject specialist, special specialist, sorry, even if I wasn't a subject specialist, um, the kids liked having me there and uh, I was able to effectively help them navigate the day. And sometimes that's all that's really needed is somebody who's trustworthy and somebody that the kids will respond to. And so here are some of the main ways that I have used to build meaningful relationship. And then I'm going to give a couple of other sub tips at the end to things that are helpful if you're beginning as a sub or if you've had a really hard time so far. Some things that might just help make it a little easier. Because being a sub can actually be super fun. You don't have the same responsibilities in a lot of aspects, but you still get the joy of teaching. So I don't want you to be completely discouraged about subbing and discouraged about the profession if you do have to sub a little while before you get your contract. So first of all, in the first couple of minutes that you are in the class, I encourage you to introduce yourself. And that seems really obvious, but try to not start with the obvious, hi, my name is whatever. It can be dry, a little boring, and the students aren't really necessarily going to remember you. It's not going to leave an impact. And the majority of behavior-related stuff that you'll see in the first 10 to 15 minutes is going to be because the students are anxious about what the expectations are. So this is why it's so important to actually take time to introduce the kids in a way that tells them what they can expect from you and will help set the tone for the class. So for example, I would always say hi to every student who walks through the door. If they're late, that's not my problem today. I'm not going to ask them why they're late. They can still get a hi and they can find a seat or make their way to the teacher assigned seats. I'm also not going to reinforce or really enforce a seating arrangement that day. And as a classroom teacher now, I would never be upset if the substitute teacher didn't enforce the seating arrangement. I would acknowledge that I'm aware of one 
but I would probably say something along the lines of, you know, today I just want to get to know you. Feel free to sit wherever you like. If that ends up being a problem, I'll go back to the seating arrangement that the teacher has left, but I'm hoping that we can just kind of get to know one another as the day goes on without me having to do that. You're setting a tone. You're acknowledging that they're not pulling the wool over your eyes by sitting wherever they want, but you're also open to them proving that this is going to be a good day. Uh, I will then, like, I wait for the bell to ring before I fully introduce myself so that I don't miss anybody or um, so that even as people struggle to come in, I mean, I always get late students. <clears throat> That's the nature of being in high school, I think. But uh, I will, I use my first name, so I'll tell students my first name and last name and let them know they can call me whatever they're comfortable calling me. If they would rather call me by my last name, that's fine. My preference is to go by my first name. I then let students <clears throat> know if my area of expertise is actually in the class that I'm teaching. So if I'm walking into a physics class, I would say to them, hey, my name's Kim. I have never taught physics a day in my life. Certainly not well. So I'm really sorry that I'm not gonna be able to help you with a lot of what you might need help with today. However, I am super eager to learn and I'm super eager to support you with however you need support. If that means you need me to Google search things or look things up for you, I'm happy to help you in whatever way I can. And your teacher has left some notes on what you're working on today. And if you're struggling to get any of that stuff done, please let me know because I'm gonna make sure your teacher knows that I wasn't able to help you. So I'm already taking the onus off of them. If they know that today's gonna to be a less productive day because I can't serve them, then already there's less pressure on them. If I'm in an elementary class and I teach high school, I'll tell them I'm really excited to work with a younger group today, but I'm used to high school kids. And if they have questions about what it's like teaching in high school or being in a high school all the time, I will answer them. Because for younger kids, that can be really exciting. And they might even see that as being intimidated by you because you teach in the big kids, but um, try to dispel any of that like mystery around what happens in high school. They'll have fun with that. The next thing is taking attendance. One of the biggest stressors for many trans kids or even our international students is the mispronunciation of names or just flat out getting the name wrong. The attendance doesn't necessarily reflect the student's actual name. Many times the attendance has the student's dead name on it. And dead name just means that for a student who is trans or non-binary, um, they have changed their name and the dead name is the name that they no longer want to use. The name might not be their dead name at home, but it is their dead name at school. So I let students introduce themselves and I'll go down the attendance checking off names. If there's a name that somebody has that isn't on my attendance sheet, I will write that down and then go personally to that student afterwards and say, is your name on this sheet somewhere? And if they say, yeah, that's my former name, then I can be like, great, thank you for telling me. But then I'm not outing their dead name to everyone in the class. I'm also not re-traumatizing those students and making them feel stressed and anxious when they see that I'm a stranger standing at the front of the room, that their dead name is gonna be outed again. Being dead named is, is um, will immediately create a sense of dissafety for your, for your trans students. 
Also, there are a lot of international students who have names that myself as a white person who uh, has grown up as the like privileged language in my culture here in, in Canada, that my culture, my language, everything has been the, um, it's the privileged one. It's, it's the one that we hear, we uh, respond to, and the, the one that, um, that doesn't, like nobody ever has to question me how to pronounce my name, right? And for students who are going through that, they have a right to have their name pronounced correctly every single time. And it's my responsibility as the teacher to not make that student sit there and listen to me butcher a name when that's my problem. That's my fault, not their fault. And their name deserves to be spoken beautifully and correctly. And does that mean that I'm going to do it every single time after I hear them say it? Probably not. But I want to be the one that looks like a fool and I don't want them to feel more anxious or stressed about their their name being mispronounced by somebody who's not willing to learn how to pronounce it correctly. So um, doing that at the beginning, even explaining why you're doing it that way can really help take a lot of the pressure off of students who are fearful of their names being spoken out. And there's a lot of kids who have that fear. You can also add like a an attendance question, like if you were a mythical creature, what creature would you be? Or if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would be that food? Something like that, just something that's light, get, helps you get to know the students a little bit. Will it take more time from the lesson? Yes, but is it worthwhile? Absolutely. Another thing that's really helpful to do is to get the class to tell you how the class usually runs. So do they have a certain format that they follow? Is there a structure? You can let them know that the teacher sent you some notes about it, but that you wanna hear from them what parts of the class um, they typically go through. If there's a discrepancy between what the students say and what the teacher has left you, just draw attention to it and say, yeah, your teacher actually mentioned, you know, we're supposed to do this for 10 minutes first. So we're gonna start with that, but then like you guys said, you wanna do some silent reading, cool, we can totally do that afterwards. So letting them know that you are aware of what the teacher's structure was and that you're not gonna let them gloss over the parts that they don't wanna have happen can let them know that, yeah, you're being mindful of what the teacher wants, but you're also mindful of what the students need that day. And you're letting them still have some autonomy because that's the other thing is that behavior comes up when students feel a loss of autonomy and um, and there's nothing more out of control than somebody running their class that they don't know at all. They have no idea what to expect from you. Give them some opportunities to see that you're on their side in all of this. Uh, if the teacher hasn't left you a set of classroom guidelines, you can have your own. So. Um, even if the teacher does have them, just go over them with the students again and just say, hey, your, your teacher shared with me that these are some of the kind of class rules that you have and I'm just gonna follow them because that's what con what's consistent for you. If the teacher hasn't given you any, you can ask the students what their class routine and, uh, and expectations typically look like. If they aren't giving you much or if there's some that you think are really important or you just want to enforce them, have a set of what yours are and share those with students right away. So for example, mine are 
let me know if you need to leave the room for any reason. In case of emergency, I don't know all of you yet and I need to know who's here and who is not. So in other situations, once I know your name, not a problem. I, like, I will be able to, at a glance, determine who's not there. But when I'm still learning names, it's really important for me to know exactly who is in the building or who is in my, my classroom at yeah, each moment. Next, if there's something I, can, I can't help you with and um, you are feeling really like you need some support, feel free to ask a classmate. I'm okay with that, but I am asking you that if it is supposed to be independent work time, please keep your voices low so that you're not disrupting other people, but I'm totally cool with you talking to your neighbor to get some help. Finally, please keep your cell phones away unless you're looking up something for your projects or the work that you're doing. I don't take cell phones away because I think that you can manage them yourself, but please just keep them like in your backpack unless you're using them for work-related things. And finally, I'll let students set the pace for the day. So as somebody who now calls subs, I always give the sub way more than the class can com complete, just in case the sub needs extra tasks or the lesson totally bombs and they have to pivot and go a different direction. If the students finished something way faster than I thought that they would, I just wanna make sure they have more than enough material to work through. But I also know that the next day when I come back, I'm likely gonna have the first 15 to 20 minutes reviewing material because my sub may not have been an expert in my subject and that's okay. But this means that you as the sub actually have a lot of flexibility in how quickly you move through the material. Take pauses to check in with students, give more time than they normally would have on tasks, allow them to set the pace because that will help anxiety and tension to ease. It'll help them to feel like they can trust you and they'll feel like they have some control in that space and they'll look forward to having you back because they'll think, okay, we actually are a team in this and it's not just this authoritarian who's standing at the front of the room saying, what do we have to do? So be as open and flexible as you can in that way. Some bonus tips that I found super useful as a sub was having backup plans. I had a few five or six different lessons that could be used for any grade or any subject in high school, just in case, just in case. Like I had some logic puzzles in there. I had a bunch of different stuff, some interesting news articles, some like wacky stories, things like that, that I could grab at a moment's notice. I could photocopy them and I could go into the classroom and use them for pretty much any subject area. I also then had a couple of children's books that I could design an entire day's worth of activities around if I called, got called into an elementary school classroom. And this really, really came in super handy when I was called into a kindergarten classroom at a French Immersion Kindergarten. I am not French and um, I don't teach kindergarten. And the teacher didn't leave a sub plan because she was away on leave and uh, they didn't have a sub for her or a, a teacher for her yet. So every day it was a different substitute teacher at the start of the year. And so there was no consistency for these poor kids at all. So when I came in, there was no lesson plan. Nothing was left. The classroom wasn't even set up yet. Um, like it was so difficult. And I was so grateful that I had my bag of like sub tricks basically because I had this like short story and 
uh, about a dragon and I used that the entire day for different activities. We started with, uh, you know, we started with all of my normal intro activities. We played a little game to get going and then every single activity we did tied back into the dragon story. Okay, let's draw what this dragon looks like. Cool, now we're drawing. All right, let's make up some characters who are in this in this story. What's happening? And like literally teasing everything out. And I was I managed with a lot of uh, stress <laughs> to get through the entire day. But I can assure you, it would have been much more stressful if I didn't have anything to draw from. So, backup plan, hundred um, percent. Get business cards. Get them made up ideally with your face on them so that they can, so that teachers can recognize you because even the, the people you didn't sub for, if they see your card and they see your face, they'll be like, oh yeah, I saw that person in the building the other day. And they'll ask the classroom teacher, were they any good? And they'll say, yeah, they were great. So now you've got more work. The more detailed notes you leave the teacher afterwards, the better. There's nothing I dislike more than coming back after being away for a day or two and the sub has just said, thanks for the work and that's it. Chances are they're leaving me that note because maybe they don't want to come back after, you know, after how things went with my class, that's cool. Or they don't wanna teach drama again, also cool. But it's really frustrating because then as the classroom teacher, you are left being like, well, what the hell happened? And did you get through any of the stuff that I left? I have no idea what to expect. So if you can leave a really detailed sub, or yeah, a really detailed sub note for the teacher saying, this is exactly what the day looked like. This is what we got through. This is what we didn't get through. That is gonna make the teacher, first of all, feel so much better about the work that was done. If they'll feel prepared when they go back in the next day and they will um, likely call you back. And finally, and this is the most important tip I have for you, make friends with the office staff. They're the ones that will help you understand school pro protocols and policies, emergency procedures, any quirks of the building. They are also the ones who will suggest subs when there aren't any other ones available. They are also the ones who basically run the school. They will tell you where everything is. They will help you with the photocopier when things are going sideways. They will help you in the library if you're needing to navigate uh, getting kids in and out. Like they do all of those things for you and can make your life so much easier. And so if you have a good relationship with the office staff in the school, your job there is gonna be significantly better. And they're just, typically they're just really lovely people and, um, and it's just, it'll, yeah, it's just more fun when you actually have people that you know and you recognize. And when they recognize you, like I said, they'll refer you and they'll try to make sure that you are the person who gets that work. So those are the main things that I suggest as a substitute teacher. And uh, I know that that is not an exhaustive list at all. So if you have other suggestions that you would really like to share, send me an email because I can include them. I have a post about this on my blog as well, so I can edit the blog post and I will give you full credit for any of the suggestions that you've given. You can comment under the blog post itself and give some suggestions there. Or you can find me at teach.emote.repeat and just send me an Instagram message letting me know what you thought and if any of this was helpful for you. 
If you did find this helpful and you like this podcast, please don't forget to leave a review. You can subscribe so you get the new podcast every two weeks. Don't forget to subscribe to the blog, thecontemporaryeducator.com, where you can also get updated posts every two weeks on some of the same stuff, some different stuff. Either way, it's all about trauma-informed teaching, mental health, and classroom management.